0: I'm Jody Butts. Welcome to the 2020 Network presented by Interact. The impact of COVID-19 on the retail industry is ever-changing. With massive changes to consumer behavior, product demand, and service availability, the Canadian retail industry landscape will look a lot different than it did before the pandemic. To get a better understanding of what's going on now and what we should expect, today I speak with Willie Crew, retired global chair consumer and retail at KPMG and business advisor to leading multinational consumer brands. Thanks for joining me, Willie.
1: Uh, My pleasure, Jody.
0: So let's start off with the consumer. You know, how has their behavior changed and and are all or some of these changes permanent?
1: Well, I mean, uh, first of all, you cannot look at the consumer as a homogeneous person in the same way that one size doesn't really fit all. It's not a prescription for every retailer. And I'll start off the interview by making sure that your audience understands that I, you know, I carry Canada on my sleeve. I'm a huge proponent of Canadian retail, but as I've spoken throughout Canada, throughout the world, when I do wear Canada on my sleeve, it's been a lot of tough love over the last little while. And part of this will be a continuation of that tough love. So I'll apologize for that to uh, some of your listeners. Um, Canadian retail has really, um, for the most part, has had both some incredible retailers uh, that have led the way in areas globally, but also had some significant laggards. So in turn, um, have not really fully understood the consumer and um, the demographics that make up today's consumer. And so when we've done research at KPMG and on two, I think, globally leading uh, views of the consumer, me, my life, my wallet, one and two. We took a look at the different demographics. And if you look at um, 2008, Jody, the worst uh, recession up until now that we've had in our lifetime, I think, and I'll use the US as an illustration, but it applies to Canada. It's just I know the stats a little better in the US. There were 6,123 stores closed. In 2018, and 2019, then exponentially, where you had five incredible indicators. You had you know, low inflation, low unemployment, uh, low interest rates, high stock market, and your house is worth a lot of money. All indicators that you should be booming. So in 2018, you had about 50% more stores closed. 2019, another 50% more stores closed. And the question is, why is that? And so when, I don't know if you, if you got a knee-jerk reaction if I want to ask you why that is?
0: I, I'm curious. I, I, am not exactly sure what, what the, what the answer would be.
1: So when I ask uh, audiences or ask CEOs, their knee jerk reaction is it's the Amazon effect. It's online. Oh, right. Of course. But <clears throat> it's not the right answer. And because online is only less is less than 10% of Canadian retail. What about the other 90%? And, There's two answers. The weaker answer is that we are way overstored in Canada and the U.S., understored in Asia. And uh, the the biggest part of the answer is that we're still stuck in a boomer strategy. So our retailers in U.S. and Canada, but we'll talk about Canada, are still focusing too much on boomers, on me, who they think they have the money. And they're missing uh, who is spending the money which are millennials. And they're clearly missing the forgotten generation, uh, which are uh, uh, the Gen X, most of the CEOs. And the reason they're forgotten generation because they're in between boomers and they're in between millennials. And they're also the sandwich generation. They have to take care of their parents. They have to take care of their children. The first generation in our history that does that. And retailers aren't focusing on those. And what do millennials who are spending a lot of money and also are looking to and looking to are going to inherit thirty three trillion dollars from me and you? They are looking for purpose. Does a retailer have purpose? Do they stand for something? They want an experience. Are retailers giving them experience when they come through? Are they utilizing technology properly? And in most of those answers, it's really not there. And, and so consumer behavior prior to this pandemic was really moving a direction of personalization, of d- demanding technology, demanding a seamless checkout, uh, looking for um, you know, retailers and, and consumer companies that had some purpose. So they can attach themselves to, like a Tom's shoes that gives back uh, one shoe for everyone you buy, a Warby Parker that gives back uh, uh, you know glasses for everyone you buy. So retailers in Canada, for the most part, for the most part, um, have seen the customer trends, consumer behavior shifts, the importance of technology, both for efficiency, for enhanced customer experience, and they've mostly watched. And it became obvious they didn't have the processor capabilities to innovate and didn't act, even though the need may have been obvious. So if you've lost customers, have limited cash, have wrong real estate, COVID-19 aside, it's tough to be nimble or strategize. And it's tough to also, if you didn't react properly to the consumer behavior that was evolving and and really demanding better retail, it's even tougher now as we move into a COVID um, uh, post-world.
0: Well, that's a theme, you know, I've seen across all the conversations that I've had, which is that COVID-19 exacerbates pre-existing weaknesses, um, but, uh, also rewards, uh, those who were, uh, either staying apace or were a few steps ahead, um, of where people's heads were at. Um, I noticed, uh, Carly uh, Finkelstein was tweeting um, about the trends towards e-commerce, um, but but setting aside um, the, the numbers that, that he was talking about, um, I thought very interesting. He said, those who thrive on change will be the ones who set the roadmap for the retail industry of the future. But change requires money, right? <laughs>
1: well it, it, it requires money it, money it also requires nimble thinking and and where I started when I've spoken tough love to retailers um, we are so Canadian I mean we're just so Canadian and we are had been some of the slowest to adapt to e-commerce uh, in in the Western world uh, we're catching up but I, I interviewed one major CEO and we interviewed him for uh, a report we did. Two and a half years ago, and that CEO, in, and I, I won't name the name of the retailer, uh, did not have an, an e-commerce platform. And I looked at him in like in disbelief. Uh, and we had a further conversation a year later. We interviewed him again, and he lamented because he thought that he was cannibalizing his own uh, business, his own bricks and mortar. A year later, um, as he was losing sales, and he he lamented that decision. And and uh, um, Basically, in his words, said he didn't realize how stupid he was, which was quite a a humbling. So e-commerce is just the beginning, Jody. Um, And we're seeing it now. And we'll talk about how it's impacting all different uh, aspects of retail and all different subsectors. But it's also artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence is today's customer experience. And, and, And the Chinese is where all the innovation is happening in artificial intelligence. It's not happening in the U.S. It's not happening in Canada. The Chinese have spent hundreds of billions of dollars to own artificial intelligence. So as the world evolves, two things will rule the world, water and artificial intelligence. And since we have all the water and China has all, it'll be Canada and China going forward, just for your listeners. Um, But it's also augmented reality, virtual reality, drones, robotics, these are all things where Canada is catching up, and if not, and Canadian retailers have not spent the money that you talk about um, to keep, uh, you know, pace and to lead, and we have too many Canadian retailers that are just stuck in the middle. They're in the middle. They're between the premium brands and the value brands. And as as uh, one of my old colleagues or somebody who I like his writing, Stephen Dennis said, um, you know, there will be the death of the middle. It's going to go away. And and that's a huge issue. So it's not just e-commerce, it's acceptance and the money you need to spend to keep ahead on all the uh, technology that I just spoke about.
0: I want to pick up on your comments about purpose, that uh, yeah. retail needs to uh, have a purpose that people want to attach to. I think sometimes when uh, people hear the word purpose, they think, oh, OK, CSR, you know, I'll, I'll make a donation. But purpose is something a little bit different than just charitable giving.
1: That's n- never been more obvious than during these times. Think about um, the retailers and the consumer companies you see giving back, you know, re- repurposing what they do to make masks and give them away for free, Um Giving free meals to healthcare workers um, for the next little while, um, uh, you know, seeing elements of giving back separate from flip that. There was a, a, a grocery uh, store that's frequented heavily that was charging thirty dollars for a can of of Lysol wipes. It got huge press, huge negative press. You can turn off the trust factor and and your brand in seconds by doing stuff like that, and and you really see and the smart retailers both do it from the heart, but also do it for a business uh, aspect. They 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 now building their brand by by being a retailer and a consumer company that's giving back, that's there for the community uh, in in tough times, and it, it and particularly for millennials who you've got to covet going forward if you're going to be a successful retailer, um, they gravitate to retailers and consumer companies that stand for something, that give back, that uh, are there in tough times, really show who they are. Employees. Most uh, of, of employees in retail, most employees in business are millennials. They want to work for a company they can attach themselves to. So it's not just good from the heart. It's good for business and it's good for your human resource capacity.
0: Interesting, and so you also talked about the middle—that the middle of retail uh, is going to disappear—and of course, the retail sector is diverse. It's you know, it's clothing, it's grocery stores, it's uh, it's all the mom and pop shops and all the chains in your in your malls. So who who's in that middle? Who's really going to lose out post COVID? And we're probably already uh, failing to varying degrees pre COVID.
1: Well, let me take you, you know, when, when uh, um, I was thinking about our talk, I just jotted down a bunch of different sectors um, and what the impact will be. And 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 if you'll allow me, uh, let me do a little stream of consciousness as I go through them. Um, but, but basically, to start it off, like in the months ahead, the question I think, Jody, is how quickly spending will bounce back once the economy reopens and how many businesses will survive until then. Because we've got people who've lost their jobs, won't quick, quickly resume spending, you know, once businesses are open. They may be willing to spend, but reluctant to congregate in malls, restaurants, other businesses. So economists usually distinguish between demand that is deferred because of a crisis or demand that is destroyed. And I think in retail, you're probably going to have a little bit of each. You know, somebody who needs a dishwasher might be put off that purchase, but will probably buy one eventually. But an office worker who puts off a springtime wardrobe refresh, might just skip a year, meaning those are going to be lost. So let me um, let me just quickly go through a couple of things. So department stores, you got an entire executive team at Lord and Taylor are let go. Nordstroms canceled orders. Neiman path the bankruptcy. Sears gone. Macy's is you know pushed out payments to 120 days. I'm not even sure that's going to be enough. Liquidity is drying up. Um, they they are really in a dire strait. Um, so. You know, there's an old adage on a sinking ship that may not be big enough to fit all of them. So I think department stores, uh, because many of them have not defined themselves, many are somewhere between value and premium. Um, you're going to see a bunch, uh, I think, continue to go under, and the domino effect there is that 30% of mall footage, of mall square footage, is department stores. So you're going to have a huge impact on, uh, you know, on landlords as we go through it. So malls, um, the top ones, the ones that distinguish themselves that aren't really in the middle, like Yorkdale, for example, will still be there and they'll thrive because they have some excitement. They've got great brands, whatever. The lower end malls, the boring malls will either be repurposed or just go away. Um, do you know, um, when I talked before about the loss of uh, of, uh, of bricks and mortar, do you know, looking on the positive side, 70, if I said to you, seventy to seventy-five percent of bricks and mortar openings are this category, what would your guess be? Oh.
0: Hmm. I'd probably guess restaurants, just because they often open and close.
1: It's uh, dollar stores and value stores.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: So what that says is, look at what you're competing against. If if you don't differentiate yourself, you don't do something. So let me let me continue. So, you know, the boring and uninspired retail. The question is, should they survive? I mean, it, have they done enough to really be there? Should we prop them up continuously? They've been fighting a losing battle against, you know, their fading relevance for years. Um, for those that open, it seems less likely we'll flock back to them. You know, prompting a further round of store closures until given what? It's sad that that, least of which, for the thousands of employees that we're now trying to to help and save and and whatever, but. Um, we're going to be less tolerant coming out of this for boring retail and uninspiring retail. And that retail in the middle that's boring and uninspiring is gone. You know, we've got too much choice and, um, really this survival of fitness that only the strong will, you know, will actually survive in auto dealers. Um, COVID is changing really how people are buying cars, you know, likely for a long time. um, Consumers staying at home have really realized that it's as easy as ordering groceries or takeout now. Nah. So experts say they really may never visit a showroom again. In China, they've opened up car sales, and they've seen a, a sharp rise in virtual showroom visits. And what they're doing there, uh, first ones are doing, they're, they're kind of disinfecting the entire car, delivering it to your driveway, and the keys to that car are delivered by a drone to your house. And so I see a lot of that coming to Canada because a lot of Canadians are doing research and you've got to make it exciting and you've got to make whatever. They're demanding that. Um, I flipped. I told you the other side of the coin is luxury. And most of luxury or large part of, let's say, the Chinese who are buying luxury globally here or whatever, are buying it outside of China, not in China. And that's gone away. And so you're going to see the worst year luxury in luxury's history and i'm not sure as people's priorities change as um you know uh consumption outwardly is going to be more frowned upon whether you know we're ever going to see anywhere close to the numbers for uh you know for luxury in the past um and the same thing you know for for restaurants restaurants are going to have to do a lot more if they're you know if they're going to uh make it here they're going to have to uh differentiate themselves they're going to have to do um you know be accessible to show their customers options uh you're going to have to be able to have call ahead ordering curbside services online ordering delivery make it easy and possible for them to take action um you know they're going to have to use um uh, online in a whole different way uh use seo search engine optimization, to get their name out create their brand etc so it's it's coming out of this it's going to be a time where uh, the obvious is people, consumers are demanding uh, safety. They uh, don't want to go necessarily back into grocery store. They want curbside pickup. And the interesting thing is, you know, Jody, I remember um, helping a grocery client, uh, a nice size chain with their online strategy. And the reason online hadn't picked up as much before was everybody was chasing the panacea, same day, one hour delivery, which was so hard to accomplish in grocery. Now, we're accepting 10-day curbside wait at Loblaws. I mean, our sensibilities have changed. What we're willing to accept has changed. And where I spoke to you before about Canadian consumers being so slow to adapt to online, we've moved that bar 10 years ahead in acceptance. And, and, and they're... Just what I mentioned to you with grocery, the ease of it has now sunk into uh, to a lot of Canadian consumers.
0: I spoke earlier with Sylvain Charlebois, um about food uh, in general, and we had a we had a bit of a chat about sort of the meaning and role of the grocery store. You know, it's gone from this you know place to kind of hang out, and you know the social aspects of cooking classes and those kinds of things to um, a very Utilitarian purpose, um, but with you know uh, higher spending, pe- people. It's not. It's not that people are turning away from grocery stores; they're very much turning toward them. So, so, so when we, you know, take, you know, separate out, you know, grocery stores and and uh, and you know, hardware, those, those kind of those that sector of retail that that pivoted to a utilitarian purpose. You know, what might the retail store mean to people? Like, what will they look for in a retail store once they're able uh, to, to you know, go back out and, and have a shopping experience?
1: I think uh, the want to walk around the retail store, the want to be close to other consumers, uh, the, the, the want in a grocery store to be, um, is going to change forever. Uh, I, on one hand, there is something to touching and feeling. There is something to the bricks and mortar. Why you know, online has moved so slowly over time? Because people still want to touch and feel it. Um, but it's going to change. You're going to demand. I mean, they're talking now about grocery. Um, they're talking about um, uh, making appointments. They're talking about making appointments for uh, an app, also having an app to show you when the store is busy, when it's not busy, so you can go in non-busy times. So whereas everything was about ex, you know, experiential retail, about personalization, come have you come in, um, we're now gonna potentially use Zoom for one-on-one live chats. Uh, and that's a personal shopper to help you through the process. So I don't think bricks and mortar will ever go away and everything you articulate, I think is still important to most people, but I think for the next little while, and I don't know how much it'll, you know, the, uh, uh, the PDSB will, will kick in that you just are scared to, you know, go within six feet of people for the next little while, particularly, um, you know, since a second wave is predicted, uh, for the virus. So, these, these habits um, might become more ingrained than we believe, uh, and it's up to, I think, retailers to use technology to a much greater extent um, to help consumers get over, I, I, maybe this is too strong of a word, but their fear of shopping in a bricks and mortar.
0: Yeah, I think some of this stuff is going to stick. And, you know, I was just reflecting when uh, when I was preparing to, to speak with you, Willie, you know, I remember walking outside, uh, or walking out of a Canadian tire store. And, you know, they had these, um, uh, these lockers for, for where you could buy online, but pick up in the store, Right. these lockers. And I remember kind of thinking, who's going to do that? Who's going to buy online, but still hop in their car and <laughs> come pick it up. And it's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> Everything's different now. Now, now it's all I want.
1: Yeah, but but think, think about this, Jody. Think about, um, when would you ever have thought about, I'm going to order groceries and I'm going to wait 10 days. When, when would that ever been in yours or anybody's sensibility, let alone a day or hours?
0: Yeah. And I've literally done that. I used to always go into a grocery store or or, or even other types of retailers. You know with for, for the grocery store, it was, well, you know, um, I don't just want to work off a list. I want to see what looks good and you know, I'll pick that up. and uh, you know, it was it there was definitely a shopping experience. I, I look at my daughter, you know, she's uh, she's twelve and she was just starting to go to the mall, right, as, a, right. as an activity right. that, that, that she would do. But I wonder now, I'm like, hmm, I wonder, I wonder if she's going to return to the mall in the same way. Is shopping going to be such a, uh, is it is, is it going to be an activity that people think of as leisurely? Or is it going to be turned into something much more chore and utilitarian oriented?
1: I You know, I don't think it's black and white. I think it'll be both um we will come look i mean think about you know every new year's eve resolution loss of a parent where you're going to take life you know more seriously whatever having said that so that's a little bit human nature having said that to your point just now there's so much ingrained in us and will be ingrained as a result of this that i don't think we'll ever return there's a new normal here a new paradigm and we need to understand it, and businesses need to understand it, and retailers definitely need to understand it. Um, there was too much boring retail before; it didn't do well before, and it's certainly not going to do well now. So, you need to understand those behavioral changes, which we don't. We can only think about now. We we will have to look back and see what's happened. You know, uh, nobody I think can accurately predict what has happened, only directionally as we're talking now, and, and look, landlords too. If, if landlords aren't flexible enough to offer abatements during this pandemic, they're just hurting themselves. Because in the end, forcing many retailers to simply walk away. So in any successful business relationship, if you want to plan a little bit, it's a two-way street. And it's about trust and understanding. And landlords need to get that as well on a go-forward basis.
0: Do you think any of the any of the relief uh, subsidies and supports that have been put out across uh, all of the levels of the government? do, do you think they will um, artificially keep um, some of these businesses that maybe are better to fail artificially alive or, or do you think nature, pardon, pardon the pun, that nature will take its course uh, in terms of uh, weaker retail organizations?
1: Well, it, it, it's both because it will keep them alive longer than they should be alive. Uh, but it's it's you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Um, we can't you know look at and say, oh my God, you're boring. You're not getting any money. Uh, you're exciting. We're going to give you money. Um, you know, I think one of the and I think you and I chat about this before a little bit. You can love Trudeau, you can love Doug Ford, or not either one of them. But I think their responsiveness, uh, particularly to the um, Anne Retail Council of Canada presentations and asks of them, has been laudatory. I think they've done a really good job. This is these are the, the, some of the largest employers we have in Canada, uh, and they need to be protected. But no matter how much we protect them, Jody, to your point just now and mine earlier, we're just del- you know, delaying the inevitable for some. That doesn't mean we, try- we don't try to help because there are employees underneath there who have to figure out their life in the next little while and something that is so catastrophic for, uh, for everybody.
0: I wanted to ask you about um, supply chains too, you know, so healthcare supply chains are going through and will, you know, continue to go through major rethinks and redesigns in this country and in many others. Do you think the retail supply chains um, are going to have to undergo something similar? Is is there a particular subsector of retail that, that, that's been hit Uh, uh, by COVID?
1: Yeah. I mean, look, the, The largest drop I didn't mention, uh, and I just missed it in going through the litany of uh, what I jotted, are clothing retailers and fashion, including fast fashion. So let let me just start there. So you you look at like a Gap or Victoria's Secret who may lose its uh, sale uh, because of uh, this uh, pandemic, American Eagle, whatever. They're offering massive, massive online discounts. Why? Because they're sitting there with seasonal inventory. What are they going to do with it? and the brands that they represent, they can't move inventory through, you know, off-price physical retail. So it leaves them selling at any price they can to get, you know, some short-term cash. I mean, look at Gap. Gap is canceling all its summer and fall orders. I mean, that's just unheard of. Like fast fashion also, um, you know, the uh, uh, Abercrombie's, the uh, H&M, the Zara's, you um, you know, much of these rattle consumers are shifting their expenditures from shoes and clothing to groceries and cleaning supplies. So, you know, fashion retail as a whole is in a complete free fall. And the question is whether the fast fashion model, you know, which hinges on its prodigious volume to make the razor thin margins works, will they survive the pandemic? You know? So let me let me let me think about flip that to, you know, what are some things That are working from a supply chain standpoint and and what are they doing you know um i think a lot of the retailers that are that are will win and are doing it right now to survive are leveraging technology you know um two of the retailers that are really i think reaping the benefit of this technology uh are walmart and target and not just because they're selling essentials and pharmacy products and food and beverage but they've stayed successful because they've spent billions on apps and on click and collect. So, you know, you order online, you go pick it up at the store. And that has served them incredibly well to harmonize their channels. Um, you know, when I, I hear people talk, digressing for a second, when I hear people talk about Omnichannel, uh, for years I've kind of railed at it Omnichannel is dead. You hear a retailer talk about Omnichannel, they are. Uh, destined for failure it's all about integrated channels it's all about having your entire system your supply chain be integrated between online bricks and mortar your technology so that everything works in unison with the customer at the center of what you're doing you know so the fact that they've spent billions has really helped them take lululemon
0: i was just going to bring them up
1: (laughs) well they've invested uh, a lot of money in rfid technology do you know what rfid technology is
0: yeah, it's your, it's your ability to, to scan and trace uh, your product through the supply chain,
1: correct? Right. So, so those so those RFID chips, Jody, were really expensive. Ten years ago, Walmart wanted all their suppliers to be RFID compliant, like in two years. It didn't happen. And it didn't happen because it was expensive. It was a laborious thing to do. Uh, but it's gotten cheaper. And Lululemon has spent money invested in this RFID technology. So what does that make them do? That allows them to know where all their merchandise is at any one time. So they've opened up a few stores. Um, They're only to employees. They then fill online orders from the store's merchandise that's in the store, and it makes it fast for the customer, but also reduces what they will need to be sold at clearance later, particularly how seasonal their products are. Nike has also used um, uh, uh, the Nike Training Club app. And allowed you to download, you know, premium for free for next little while, as many are allowing you to download for free, so you can get, you know, keep their thing open. So it started in China, then in Europe, and now here, it keeps people from uh, focus. It it keeps people focusing on their brand, but also keeping keeps their customers connected to their e-commerce site, and it's moving merchandise uh by giving away something for free enhancing their brand and using what's in various stores like lulu has and keeping their merchandise flowing so i mean that is an element of of survival that most of these you know need to know and 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 the key is to have connected to their e-commerce you know site um the the ones that are are the ones that are going to survive and and are Thrive are the ones that I said before are invested in their stores and technology and are best to equip to succeed, to move uh, merchandise through the supply chain. Um, and, and they're pulling further ahead from their rivals. I mean, look, Best Buy, for example. They, I I, yeah, I laud them because they quickly, quickly pivoted to, uh, to curbside pickup. And it's enhancing their sales right away. And they're doing a good job, you know, doing that right now.
0: So before I let you go, I want to ask you about um, anything you're seeing or hearing uh, coming out of China. Uh, they obviously are on a different uh, point on uh, the epidemiological curve uh, than North America is. And, uh, you know, there's even, you know, some uh, retail activity happening in Wuhan. Um, mm-hmm. but what, what, what are you hearing? What, what are you learning? What can you share?
1: Well, it's the exact opposite. So Wuhan has opened up. Um, and what they're finding as they're opened up is a reticence by consumers to actually go out and go into stores, go into restaurants. So it's not having any positive impact just yet. And uh, the same thing is happening in Austria, who've opened up. The only place I've seen so far, Jody, that it's just they they don't care, and they've, I mean, I'm I'm being flippant, is in Germany. They've opened up. uh, They did an incredible job, one, because their leader is a PhD in science versus somebody with a 100-word vocabulary. Um, And they really got a hold of this as best they could. So Germany's probably the the one where people are going out, going to stores, whatever. In China, um, they're trying hard, but they're not doing it yet. You know the the consumer in China and in Wuhan. Let's start with that is reticent to get out to stores. But what I described to you in uh, in uh, with car dealerships, they are being very innovative in in trying to start, uh, let's say, sell cars because cars and not have you come into a dealership because um, China's automotive industry was hit very very hard and uh, just fell off a cliff and uh, it's slowly coming back. And they're, through that type of kind of basic innovation, uh, they're having, um, you know, a lot of success right now.
0: So how would you sum up your feelings about, uh, you know, what, what what we can expect, um, you know, as the lockdown continues and as, you know, potentially uh, it eases up and we we cycle through these measures? Are, are there other are things you're Excited about, and what 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 do you think is going to be the most regrettable consequence of, of this surprising pandemic period?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, for I mean, look, I mean, let, let me start on 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 little the worry that I have. Um, if this goes on for four to six months, I just think it's going to be catastrophic uh, for many businesses, and and uh, almost assuredly the answer will be closure. Um, look, physical stores, I think, will continue to play. A significant role within retail even as online businesses you know major apparel chains etc have gained ground in recent years they can't make up for shuttering of malls and stores i'm incredibly excited um, by the beginning of what i see as real innovation in retail uh the acceptance and use of technology which i've just yelled from the rooftops for years about canadian retail um, the acceptance of online particularly from the consumer um, and so it's a train that has truly left the station. I mean, we've moved 10 years ahead in consumer acceptance, I think 10 years ahead in how retailers will use technology and uh, and build their e-commerce and e-commerce websites. Um, I think that to to stay competitive, as I mentioned before, many Canadian retailers will have to go more to artificial intelligence, be innovative, um, and and this is... Look, I mean, this is a time where you need to be uh, innovative. You know, you can't let innovation stop. This could be the window of opportunity, I think, for Canadian retail to reinvent what you do, how you do it, how you bring value, and reinvent your brand. Uh, If I say anything, embrace new technologies. Embrace the behaviors you're going to see for the mid and long term, you know, including your operating model and hiring strategies. In-person meetings and travel, I think, will be uh, rethought significantly. And I think, you know, uh, how we've used Zoom, for example, a company that didn't exist minutes ago and is now worth more than all the car companies put together. Um, I'm excited by. I'm excited by um, how we'll leverage that. Let's say the physical retail, the one-to-one chats I talked about. Um, it's an opportunity for educators to develop more online coursework. Uh, community engagement. Um, we're going to try to figure out event venues for the next little while. But you know, let's say an example: Amazon uh, announced a ten-day event in which they'll stream all the movies that were entered in the South uh, by Southwest Film Festival uh, that were canceled. You know, uh, on food establishments, you've got highly innovative chefs offering online cooking classes. You're going to see more and more of that. You've already seen how the impact which I haven't used that much, I don't know about you, Jody, but, you know, exercise businesses have to figure out a new way um, and you're seeing it all over the place, all the online classes and whatever. So necessity is the mother of invention and everything that I've yelled from the rooftops that I've wanted Canadian retail to get out of being so Canadian and so risk-averse and thinking that our 35 million, 35 million people population is going to grow dramatically and that we're going to have more customers all of a sudden. This has really been and will be a positive. The negative is a significant loss of employment, which we cannot afford, particularly with what we're seeing in Alberta as well. Uh, Some have said the unemployment rate may be around 20 percent now, uh, which scares me. Um, And the other part that frightens me a little bit is you can't just print money. There will be, you know, something to pay for this down the road. And we need to think through this because we still have a lot of other dollars to spend on infrastructure, things like that in this country. And retail is such an important part of our economy, such an important part of our fabric that all the things I mentioned do excite me. And I hope that you know retail heeds that call and we see less and less of boring retail. And in turn, we'll see less and less of unemployed retail staff.
0: Willie, thank you for sharing your wisdom uh, as we think about, you know, what is truly unprecedented situation uh, for the retail sector, and for helping us think through how we can be good consumers and and help the businesses that uh, that that we would like to support. Thank you so much.
1: It was my pleasure, Jody.